Welcome to Jam Bob, a podcast where Jenny and Megan bond over books. I'm Jenny. Hi, and I'm Megan. We are a mother and daughter duo here to bond over books with one another and with you. Episode one, chapter one. Megan, what do you mean by bonding over books? For me, bonding over books is a way that we not only get to have fun with how we read and and, and interact with books, but it leads to deeper conversations between you and I, where we learn about ourselves, one another uh, as individuals, and also just the, the world. I also think it's a great way for us to connect with our community and those around us. And so I'm really excited to be on this podcast journey with you and continue to deepen our bond. And I'm curious, Mom, what bonding over books means to you. I think you covered it really well. Books can be really solitary, but when we get together and we talk about them and their context and what's going on in our life, it's been a way of actually strengthening our relationship. For this podcast, we wanted to take the same love of books and inspire you to find people that you could read with and share as well. I love that answer. And I am so excited to begin this journey with you and just deepen our bond and, and also get to share our love of reading with everyone else. And so I think the only way we can kick off this podcast properly is if we start at the very beginning. So mom, I've got a question for you. And that question is, where did your love of reading begin? My love of reading started when I was about four. I was in kindergarten but I was a real sickly kid and spent a lot of that year in and out of the hospital. I remember that I had a younger sister, Janine. She was two years younger than me, and my parents couldn't leave her alone, so they would tag team and visit me in the hospital. And because I couldn't you know, move from the bed, my mom would bring things that I could do, crafts, and then she would bring books. And so she would come in and read me books that she loved as a child, I remember that she had a favorite book. It was My Friend Flicka. Flicka led us to talking about her horse and her life on a farm in South Dakota. And then she brought in Nancy Drew, and I loved Nancy Drew. I remember her <laughs> telling me about The Secret of the Old Clock, the first book, and then reading it to me and how much fun that was. When my dad would come, he'd bring Reader's Digest and read to me that laughter is the best medicine. I remember books became a way of escaping being sick, but also a way of being entertained. I love that you first interacted and bonded with books through a shared relationship with your mom. I think that's just something special, and I haven't heard that story before, so thank you for sharing and I'm curious, when did you kind of go from consuming books through through your mom and dad as the into actually reading on your own and taking that love of books for yourself? When I left the hospital, I was a little bit behind, and I think my mom wanted to help me catch up, so she brought brought me to the library. And at the time, the library would only let you take out 10 books. So what? I took out 10 books <laughs> and she took out 10 books. 
And she would read to me and, and then she would have me read to her. And I think that, you know, obviously at that time I was reading Dr. Seuss, but that started this love of reading. I liked the fact that I could go in and pick out, you know, almost anything about anything. And I would grab all the Nancy Drew books I could find, and then I would move on to Hardy Boys and any other mysteries and thrillers, and then anything else that struck my fancy at the time. I always remember being really disappointed that I could only take out 10 books. Curious about you at home. Did you also read Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys? And did your library have limits? Megan, what about you? I know you read a lot as a kindergartner. What made you love reading? I am. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I'm going to go back, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on my my love of reading. But I think you were actually the uh, impetus for for <laughs> how I got got started in reading. And I I remember you put me in kindergarten at a at a young age, probably because of the daycare help. <laughs> and um, I I was a social kid. I love to play outside and be with my friends and color. And I remember that uh, reading and I were not really friends at first. And, <laughs> and uh, because I was young, there was a parent teacher conference with my first grade or my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Garcia, that I remember sitting in and having her tell you that because I wasn't quite up to up to snuff with reading that I might be held back a year and I don't know if you remember this but I was I was shell-shocked I thought I was gonna lose my life as I knew it and all of my friends would be moving on without me and you were you you took me to the library which there was no limit thank goodness <laughs> and I was able to uh, stockpile on a bunch of books and just practice and practice and practice reading. And I think also having you as somebody that I could go to, to read to, to watch you read, it all uh, spurred my own internal motivation to, to try to get better at this thing that I knew was going to allow me to stick to the life I wanted to have. And I, I do remember, I think by first grade, I was reading Harry Potter, which is a, a, a little bit different than mystery thrillers, but this kind of a new world that I was able to unlock from reading and it just changed the course and, and added to my probably already vivid imagination as a kid. But yeah, it, it's just really cool that we have this, not only a shared love of reading, but it came from both the, my you as my mom and your mom too. I love that. I'm noticing as a theme too, is we both kind of started our love of reading with fiction. And I, I think maybe that's because as a kid, fiction is a way for make-believe to come alive and to really just escape and have this imagination and, you know, experience things that you might not know in your own reality. It opens up a lot of doors. And so I think what would be really fun, Mom, is to hear just from you, what are, you know, your top five fiction books. I think that would be just a, a fun way to kind of get us going and, and seeing what books have, have changed and shaped the trajectory of our, our reading journeys. Awesome. I'll do one and then I'll hand it back to you. I think the first book has to be The Secret of the Old Clock, the Nancy Drew book by Keene. 
I remember my mom reading it, and then I remember reading it myself. There are so many things that I really loved about that book. It was about a a young girl, um, Nancy Drew, who was getting herself into trying to solve these mysteries. And I think it was probably pretty unusual in the time. It was like in the 1930s that those books came out. But she was a strong character. And I really think that I appreciated this young you know, girl who could do these amazing things. What about you, Megan? Do you remember what your first favorite book was and why it was your favorite? Well, I'm going to preface this with these are not ranked in any specific order. <laughs> I love all of these books equally, uh, same weight, but I, I do. I, I remember you sharing Nancy Drew with me and I also just, she, I fell in love with her as well, but I would say probably for me, one of my favorite books, fiction books of all time was a phantom toll booth by Norman Jester. And partly that's my dad's favorite book, but I remember you, you showing that one to me. And it's about this little boy named miles who is suffering from pure boredom. And he gets in this like make-believe car with a dog called talk and ends up in this imaginary world where uh, just the wordplay of Norman Jester takes him through all of these different um, places in in this imaginary world that teach him the English language. And I think at the end of the day, it was just so fun to read. And it it reminded me that boredom is for sure a choice. and I think that book comes up a time and time again. I, I read it now and I'm still equally drawn in and love it. That, that has to actually be one of my favorites too. I don't know if it's the, the second one, but I'll go with your uh, five, not necessarily in order. I think it wasn't one that I read as a kid. Um, your dad and I, you know, obviously you talked about favorite books and that came up as his favorite. And so I picked it up and, you know, read it to you. But I, it, I, it was one of those books that I think even if you haven't read it as a kid, you'd appreciate it as an adult because the way that he plays on words is just so much fun. The Land of the Doldrums. I just remember different things about that book that never failed to make me me smile and just seeing how much it you could appreciate it as a kid before you even understood some of the subtleties of the of the words but then seeing as you got older you still appreciated it and you knew a little bit more about um, what was going on with the wordplay it, it reminds me of sometimes when you go to a kid's movie and they have something in there for adults too just to keep them entertained. That's the way that book is. It it kind of, it works for kids. It works for adults. <laughs> it's the blueprint for Pixar. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. Well, so I think my second book and going on would probably be another one that I read in elementary school. I remember doing a book report on Lewis Lowry's The Giver. And that book for me was just so important because I I think that was one of the first times that I realized how reading can connect to human 
resiliency and spirit and having a whole community, right. Have specific roles where they're kind of living in an ignorance is bliss type of mindset to have a, a little boy be introduced to things like color and sounds and pain and suffering, but at the same time, the joy of what it means to be, you know, free and happy and, and live life. I think it was a deeper book that I probably, it took me, you know, until they made a movie in high school, I think it it was to, to fully understand. But that I think was the first time I connected with the book and went, wow. Um, the story just meant a lot. And I, I, also remember being really happy that I was never cut off from any emotion, whether it be a sad one or a a happy one. Um, So yeah, I would say that's my number two. What's your number three, mom? Probably the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. Um, I really liked the Narnia books. I I love the fact that they had these, you know, these kids, right? There was Peter, Susan, Edward and Lucy and they weren't perfect. You know, they, they definitely all had their faults. And I think I, I really liked a few things about it. One is you had these characters that weren't perfect, that messed things up and then got themselves out of the messes they made. I also like this fact that you could be yourself, but walk through a wardrobe and be in a completely like different place. You know, it helped me think about just really freeing my mind from like being in a box, right? Thinking about being in a different world. What would that be like? How would it be different? I think it was the first time that I really got into, let's say like science fantasy, this idea that you could be in a non-earth world. Plus the the characters were, were just so well done that you can imagine yourself being there with them. What's your third book, Megan? Yeah, I'm thinking about my number three, but I loved Narnia. That was another one that you shared with me at a young age. And I think it set the tone for, I guess, world building and and finding yourself in a completely new place transported. Um, I think my next one kind of evolving through time. Uh, I was really lucky in high school to have a series of amazing English teachers that gave us so, I mean, the required reading for all the classes I have, I still actually come back to a lot of these books. And so it's a little tough because I'm going through, I love The Count of Monte Cristo, Les Mis, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, Ender's Game. There's so many to choose from, but I think the one, if I had to choose, Um, the one book that comes back again and again is The Great Gatsby by uh, Fitzgerald, F. Scott Fitzgerald. And I think part of that goes back to like the human spirit and resiliency I was just talking about. It's the one book where it reminds you what it means to be human. It also is a a perpetual reminder that you must progress. You you can't live in the past. Life moves on. I think the character development, the the whole East versus West egg and new money versus old money and understanding societal structure, but having two kind of worlds collide is just timeless. 
Um, even now, I mean, he wrote that in the 1920s and it's still pertinent today. And I think also speaking of wordplay, I think Fitzgerald is one of my absolute favorite authors when it comes to uh, just word selection and how he phrases things. It's beautifully done. So yeah, I think that would be my next one. What about you? What's number four? I think going into high school as well, I remember that Again, I really was liking this science fiction fantasy, and I picked up The Mists of Avalon, which was the King Arthur story told from strong female characters' point of view. So you were you got to hear the stories of Morgaine and Guinevere, and I think what I really liked about that was it was a different perspective, right? The King Arthur legends were told many different times but they were always told from the knights and from you know Arthur's perspective so here was looking at this from like a completely different angle it brought out the story and the history in a way that was much more appealing to me probably cuz i resonated with those characters more than i did with the knights but I love that book um, and always amazed at how Bradley is able to describe that world and what's going on there in a way that makes you feel like you're there. I'm uh, going to jump on that one because I, I, I too remember reading that probably at the end of high school, because there was definitely some mature adult themes in that book that <laughs> I think you curtailed for me. You're like, eh, uh, maybe, maybe until you're, you know, almost 18, but similarly in terms of world building and making you feel like you're there, my fourth book is probably Ken Follett's Pillars of the Earth, which I read also near the end of high school. And that one for me, it's a lengthy, lengthy book. It's actually a a trilogy, Um, but it's about, you know, medieval times uh, and kind of how they're building a church in this little English town. And it's a cast of characters that Ken Follett kind of goes through and talks about how they're interwoven. He does such a brilliant job of doing his historical research to make that time feel very vibrant and real. Um, But it's through the lens of all of these different characters and you end up rooting for the builder, the architect of what will be this massive church. And it's, so rich in storytelling ability and capability. I, even to this day, I go back and I think that must be one of the biggest epics that I, I would, I wouldn't know if it was fiction or not because the way it's done is just, it's so, I, I, I'm at loss for words, which is obviously <laughs> tells you that it it's one of those books that it, it it just sticks with you. Um, and I think it's probably through the same lens of having having multiple perspectives on how he approached the characters and his writing style and just, yeah, masterfully done. Um, wow. Well, we're, we've reached the, uh, the end of this list. So how are you going to top off your uh, five? Well, before I answer that, I wanted to say something about Pillars of the Earth. You were the one that gave me that set of books. And I remember thinking to myself that I had read Ken Follett in my early teens 
because he was known for writing spy novels. And one of the books that I read from him was called The Eye of the Needle. But after I read The Pillars of the Earth, I am certain that he will be remembered for the masterpiece that those books are. My last book, though, would have to be Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Not like the other seagulls in that he's not all about how he's going to get his next meal. He's about how he's going to better himself as a, a flyer. And the book goes into him sort of becoming an outcast of the seagulls because he they don't understand why he cares about flying when really he should care about his next meal. And then him really going into like, how am I going to be a, a good flyer? What all can I learn to do? And then finally him like passing on all the lessons he's learned to other seagulls who decide that they don't want to be kind of just like the other seagulls just eating, um, but want to get better at flying. And it, it made me think about a few things. I think the thing I really liked it was it is an approach that I, I think that reading has done for me, which is like introduce the topic, give you some knowledge about the topic, but just reading about it isn't the same as like doing it. So you kind of have to go from learning it in the book and then doing it and then continuing to do it until you get good at it and then you become it and then you can pass it on. And I've always felt like that progression was something that is is one that I, I, I try to do. And I think the first time I saw it was in that book. So that book is, is special to me. What is your last book, Megan? That book, yeah, that book is about to be added to my Goodreads list because I think that's one that's beautiful, um, but two, right? It's the it's the evolution of how we we consume books and what the beauty of that is. I think reading is ever evolving, and it's the the participation is one thing with your investment in yourself, but the beauty of it is what we're doing right now, which is sharing. Right. And passing along the stories. And I think that's really where the, the, the magic comes um, from from books. But I think my my last one is almost in a similar vein. Um, I read this book probably either in college or like immediately after. Um, so uh, similar to all of the, the fiction I just named earlier with all the high school reading I did. Uh, another kind of uh I don't know, lane of fiction that I really enjoy are like parable stories that are really just trying to teach you life lessons in a way that's digestible and can be shared. And so there's, you know, things like The Alchemist or The Richest Man in Babylon. But the one that stuck with me was by an author, Mitch Album, called The Five People You Meet in Heaven. And it's about a old man who works at a amusement park and passes away and this tragic accident. And he goes through in the afterlife and is connected with five different people that he had met through his life. And they all, I mean, have various degrees of how close they were in connection with him. But the premise really comes down to all of the connections you make in life going to have an impact and be consequential. So it's how you conduct yourself through those interactions 
that could really change the course of somebody's somebody's life. And so it, it shows you to be intentional with who you are and how you operate. And I think for me, that was one of those life lessons that you go, wow, like it doesn't matter who comes in my life, right? Whether I've attributed some kind of importance, like you should always be kind. You should always have a sense of, you know, bring good energy to the world and and just be respectful of who and considerate of who's around. Um, I also thought it was just a really unique way to think about the afterlife in a way that's not scary because I do think that's one of those looming topics that we all share as human beings of what what's our purpose, what happens at the end. And I think it was just a reminder that the connections we make with people are so important and just something that should be treasured and valued and intentional. So yeah, that tops up my list. Um, now that we've gone about our start <laughs> and, and our love of reading mom, what do you think we're going to talk about next time? Our love of reading started with fiction, but then as we kept reading, we found that it was a way we could grow. And I think that's true for many people. I think that next time we should talk about reading as a way to help you with your personal growth. What do you think? I think I love it. All right. Well, I encourage everybody to post their five top fiction books in the comments. We'd love to see what you like to read and continue to grow our own list with fiction. And we'll talk about our evolution into ways that we've used reading to, to grow personally and professionally and in all sorts of ways with our life. So we'll see you next time. Bye, folks. <laughs>